One of my favorite strategies, which is really so simple because I, I like to keep it simple, it's just giving them some choice. Um, they love being able to take ownership over whatever it is they're doing. So, I mean, on a good day, I create like a structured choice board for them. So they have some options to choose from. But on a day when I have very little time to plan, it may just be making copies of two different worksheets and you can pick which one you want to do. And I do like a mild, medium, spicy thing. So that would be three different worksheets and they can just choose from (laughs) which of those based on, you know, what kind of challenge they feel that they need. We're Megan and Alyssa, former teachers and founders of Pop PD, a peer learning platform for K-12 educators. On the Extracurricular Podcast, we're interviewing the most passionate, forward-thinking educators to uncover tangible strategies you can use in your classroom right away. Asia Hines is a middle school math teacher where she currently teaches seventh graders. We think she is so brave for doing that, and she shares why she absolutely loves that grade level. She also has an engaged audience on Instagram and TikTok, and she has a program that helps teachers create engaging resources for their classroom called Resources Made Easy. We absolutely love Asia's outlook on keeping her classroom a fun place to be without spending a ton of time doing anything fancy to keep your kids engaged. She has us laughing out loud in this episode as she shares some of her quick strategies for keeping students laughing and having fun daily. She also shares some game-changing tips for not taking your work home and setting boundaries around your time. Get your notebook out because Asia spills at least a handful of quick engagement strategies along the way in this episode. You can use those strategies this week with your students of any age, including her mild, medium, and spicy strategy for differentiation. Oh, and as we mentioned earlier, Asia has that program helping teachers create their own resources. So she drops a bunch of hints about how to create your own resources using PowerPoint. She explains how simple it can be to build a bank of your own resources that you can easily customize for your specific needs. If you've ever been required to attend a PD that had nothing to do with your subject area, or that was taught by someone who hasn't stepped foot in a classroom, you understand the mission behind our peer learning platform, PopPD. Both the Extracurricular Podcast and That Teacher Podcast are brought to you by the team at PopPD. Our mission is to empower teachers to connect with one another around sharing teaching strategies, tips, tricks, and ideas you actually want, creating a learning experience as dynamic as you are. We know you need access to ongoing relevant resources to support your teaching career, and it's our mission to help you feel fully supported as a modern educator. Check out our beta platform now at poppd.co and join the waiting list to be one of the first to try the new version of our platform when it's released by visiting poppd.co slash waiting list. All right. We are really, really excited to have Asia Hines on the podcast, also known as the Sassy Math Teacher. And we are really, really glad to be diving into math, all things math today, because uh, we were talking about before we got on the podcast that Megan and I had some not so great experiences with math in our school career. So we're really pumped to hear about how Asia is focused on math in her classroom. So can you start by kind of like walking us through what was even just your journey to becoming a teacher? How did you end up here? 
Hi, so I wanted to be a teacher for as long as I can remember. Um, I was that kid that played school in my basement every day, and I asked for school supplies as birthday gifts. Um, <laughs> yes, I even I even had an overhead projector at one point, which <laughs> that's awesome. The listeners may not even know existed. Uh, <laughs> Old school, but, love it. Yeah. Yep. So I fell in love with math, though, in seventh grade because my math teacher, Mrs. Parker, she had this way of telling stories that helped us uh, remember the math that we were learning. And it just really stuck. And she made it really fun. Like, I was excited to go to math class every single day because I knew she would have some new story to share. Uh-huh. But story in math. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So she she really killed it. And she's still teaching to this day. So Oh, Parker. I love her. I love we'll dedicate that. this episode to her then. Yes. yes. Love it. Dedicated to her. I love that. So um, unfortunately, oh sorry. Go ahead. Look, that's journey, what I was gonna so say. That's how you got into it. Yeah. What's next? What happened? Unfortunately, next? high school rolled around and I was completely against being a teacher because everyone was like, You're not gonna have any money. Uh, <laughs> and so I started to research other careers. <laughs> So I eventually obviously found myself back into teaching because I took a class in high school purely to get like extra credit on my uh, GPA because it was a weighted class. So it was weighted like an AP class. And most of us who took the class didn't actually want to be a teacher. Um, But part of the requirements was to do a practicum at a local middle school. And the teacher that I was with in his classroom he just hated his job. He hated it. And he just talked so negatively about the kids. And I'm like, I don't see it. They're awesome. This is great. And so at that point, I fell back in love with math. And that was a sixth grade classroom. And so that's when I decided that I would continue on and pursue the teaching in college. Now, the fact that you went into a sixth grade classroom, a sixth grade math classroom and said, yep, this is what I wanted to do. (laughs) Thinking back now, it's like, <laughs> I could not teach sixth grade. I couldn't. <laughs> they are pretty rough. Yeah, what grade do you teach now? So tell us where you are now. Oh yeah. So I teach in Northern Virginia and I teach seventh grade math. Amazing. I've always taught seventh grade. What do you like about seventh grade? Did you just fall into it or you really love it? So during student teaching, I tried all three. So sixth grade, I had a headache every day because the kids were just loud and they were really needy. So it was still very elementary. Um mm-hmm. and they wanted to touch you and I didn't want to be touched. And then eighth grade, they just were boring. They weren't interesting. At, like they didn't tell you random stories. They felt very high school. Um, so it just wasn't entertaining for me and I need entertainment. So seventh grade <laughs> was my final placement and I loved it. The kids always had something random. They were excited to learn those days. Um, and I know a lot of people avoid seventh grade because they are probably, you know, the black sheep of middle school, but I love them. I do. That's fun. It's good to find a sweet spot. It's funny how everyone has kind of their sweet spot of the, Mm -hmm. of the kind of grades that they like. I know like, you know, I was a high school teacher and I loved, I taught sophomores and seniors and I really loved the sophomores and the seniors. I was like, eh, juniors, all the college pressure. No, thanks. Yeah. Our senior year, they're kind of like mostly applied and submitting to the whatever anyway. Yeah, but it's funny how you find that sweet spot. And I love that you found that in seventh grade. That's really neat. Seems to kind of play to your strengths. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) So it must be hard then, and maybe I'm judging seventh graders here, but middle schoolers to get them engaged in math 
has got to be a bit of a challenge. What are kind of your favorite go-to strategies for keeping those kids engaged? You said you don't like to be bored, so I'm assuming you don't like them to be bored either. So give us the give us the tips. Okay, so one of my favorite strategies, which is really so simple because I, I like to keep it simple, it's just giving them some choice. Um, they love being able to take ownership over whatever it is they're doing. So, I mean, on a good day, I create like a structured choice board for them so they have some options to choose from. But on a day when I have very little time to plan, it may just be making copies of two different worksheets and you can pick which one you want to do. And I do like a mild, medium, spicy thing. So that would be three different worksheets and they can just choose from each of those based on, you know, what kind of challenge they feel that they need. You're going to have to talk a little bit more about that because I love that idea that it's mild, medium, spicy. So please, I assume it maybe is kind of difficult, like based on difficulty level, but talk to us a little bit more about that. Because even just using those terms, like that's very, it's a cool way to approach it with. Yeah. Look, we all love heat, right? And they can connect with like Taco Bell or like hot wings with the mild, medium, and spicy. So literally, it's just kind of differentiated, but they're choosing how they want to be differentiated. Um, So the mild may be like one-step equations. Uh, The medium could be two-step. And then spicy could be multi-step or it could just be two-step where we have fractions Mm -hmm. um, or distributing where kids, you know, they don't like fractions. But some of them want to be challenged. So just depends. Do you find that they choose? Do the kids really challenge themselves or do a lot of them fall back on the mild? What do you find that they do there? It's pretty mixed. I have a lot of kids that are always like, I want the spicy. This is spicy. Or uh, one day uh, a kid noticed he had chosen a mild option. He's like, Mm-mm, where's the spicy? Where's the spicy? Uh, so it just depends. And then you have the kids that are like, mm. I don't want to work hard, so I'm going to get the mild. So it just I depends mean, on the kid. We've all been there. I feel like I have days at work where I'm like, I'll take the mild today. Mild Mondays. <laughs> I love that, though, because you're really, like, you're kind of acknowledging that. That, you know, we're not all perfect every day. And, like, kids certainly aren't, right? But so to give them that choice. Not only do they get to choose and kind of, like, have that fun, like, I want the spicy. Like, that's a fun that's a fun thing. But to also acknowledge, like, you know what? I didn't sleep well last night or I, I've been busy. I just need to, like, even mentally, even if it's not that different, I, I would imagine with the challenge, like, just being able to have that choice and say, I'm going to go mild today and feel good about that. That's a really neat opportunity to kind of offer them in the classroom. I agree. I agree. It's <laughs> great. And so easy too to prep. I'm just even thinking, so we have listeners of this podcast that teach all different subjects at all different grade levels. So I'm always trying to kind of like recap how could other people use this, but it'd be easy in ELA. You print out like a couple of different, I don't even just like the type of activity could be different. It could be that you're sketching about what you just read or you're writing about what you just read. Exactly. Exactly. So many mm-hmm. options yeah. you could do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. What about your favorite lesson? You're like kind of, um, I guess if you could think back, kind of like your best lesson. My best lesson. So one of the things we teach in seventh grade is tax tip and discount. So consumer math. Um, And it's one of those units where it's really relevant. The kids can, you don't have to really think hard to connect it to the real world. And they appreciate that. Um, And so one of the things I do is my split the check activity. Uh, so basically it's a classroom transformation, but a lazy one because I don't take work home. So I do what I can during the day. (laughs) So I just get red butcher paper and place it on their desk, uh, like in table groups, uh, and then put like a restaurant theme on the board and I'll play like restaurant type music. 
And so I print out uh, restaurant menus from local places and they can choose where they want to go. So it's like, do you want to go to Olive Garden? Do you want to go to it's like the Mexican restaurant we have or wherever? Um, And they get those menus for their table. But the catch is that one, they have to calculate the tax tip and then I give them a coupon, too, so they can do the discount. Um, But at the end, they have to decide if they're going to split the check evenly Or if they're going to do like a lot of people do and only pay for what they ordered. And it's funny because most of them do choose because of the math. They're like, oh, we'll just split it evenly. But then you do have those kids that are like, well, you got Coke and I got water. So I'm going to stand for it. This is important. So talk about relevant, man. This is perfect. And you have to be persuasive. Like, this is why we should split this differently because of this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. They should have like fake Venmo accounts. <laughs> Venmo one. Oh, I love that. Yes, I love that. Oh my gosh. So do you do a <laughs> lot of real world? Yeah. Do you do a lot of real world like math? You mentioned your teacher that inspired you, inspired you through story. So I wonder if, if that's kind of coming into play here. Yeah, yeah. I wish I did as good of a job as she does. Some days I'll like have like a light bulb. It's usually spur of the moment when it happens and I'll try to like relate it to something current that's going on with them. But I do, I try to relate it or keep it relevant as often as I can. It's not always easy because the content is so wide and so diverse. Uh, But I do, I don't do a lot of classroom transformations because of the time that it requires. But yeah, when it comes to like relating it to the real world, I try, try my best to do that. I would love to dig into the, lazy classroom transformation. I absolutely adore that. I was also a lazy classroom transformer. And I love that you said you don't take work home. Can we dig into that one a little bit? Let's let's hear it. Well, I think one of the things that allows me to do that is because I've built like a library of resources over the past few years. And so I've gotten a little more or a lot more organized because where I started, it was a mess really organized with how I plan. And since I've been teaching the same thing for seven years, it makes it really easy um, to do that. And so basically I just pull, I look at what I did, you know, in the past year, adapt it a little bit. Um, I only have 45 minutes of planning time each day. So that's been an adjustment for middle school because usually we get an hour and a half, but I've changed schools this year. But with having uh, a side hustle, I have to fit what I can in during the day because my outside time is for my side hustle. Um, but with that being said, I basically, I get to school maybe 10 minutes before and I'm focused. It's like, I'll put the shade down on my door. I try to squeeze in. Like that's when I'm planning my warm up, preparing my slide for the day. And I use a lot of templates too. I should mention, I use a lot of templates. So we use Canvas and I basically copy and paste like the to-do list for the kids each day and just plug in what we're doing. But again, since I've been doing it for so long, it's quite simple and quick for me to just plug and chug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Plug and chug. <laughs> I, I chug think it's topic. important. Like, like keeping it simple, simple, I think is a great takeaway, right? Like maybe you have that one, like the, the restaurant transformation is, you know, not over the top, but that's kind of a fun and different thing. But otherwise, like you're kind of usually relying on some good standby stuff. Mm-hmm. Even just like the little flair of, you know, mild, medium, spicy is kind of something that's fun, but doesn't require a ton of extra from you, which I think is nice, right? Simple stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you also have kind of over time, 
you know, you've, you've got these templates down, you've got like kind of a system, you know, that you have to be focused. It takes a lot of willpower for that. I always wanted to like chat with people and like, you know, kind of socialize, especially when I was a very new teacher, because kind of, you know, starting to feel comfortable in the building and whatnot. But, you know, over time you kind of realize like if, if I want to, you know, not take stuff home, like I have to kind of have that focus. So it seems like you've really kind of developed a couple of things that seem to really work for you. And obviously, you know, people got to customize that based on, you know, what they, what they need and what they want. Maybe someone wants a little bit of, you know, like coffee and chat in the morning, but <laughs> the trade-off is like maybe somewhere else you kind of say, all right, during my prep period or during whatever, you know, half an hour after school, I've got to, you know, lock in and, and get those things done. So yeah. It sounds like you kind of developed that over time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. I like the, sure. the literal lock-in. You said you put down your shades. You, mm-hmm. you quite literally lock yourself in your room. <laughs> yes, don't bother me. <laughs> People probably know. Yeah. yeah. One other piece that you mentioned that I kind of wanted to pull the thread on, but I don't even know if you know, know that you're doing it, but you mentioned like in that particular lesson, bringing in menus from local restaurants. And I really think pulling in the community piece can be so meaningful. We've actually talked to a couple of teachers across different disciplines like art and even writing who have talked about community and bringing in those community element, elements. So I love that you did that. Did you do it on purpose or is it just something you were like, let me just make this fun? Yeah, I wish I could say that I did it on purpose and <laughs> think about the community and I should. Now that you say that, try to, you know, bridge the community in some way but yeah no it was just I wanted the kids to be able to relate to a restaurant that they may have been to um, yeah. so that was really my only thinking behind it you know oh, I think it's genius <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's say that somebody is is a math teacher of if we could carry this across grade levels that would be amazing but if if it's specific to seventh grade that's fine too but I'd love to know, like, if they're if they're thinking, you know what, it's almost the end of the year. I'm listening to this episode. My kids are checked out. I'm halfway out the door myself. But I need to get these kids engaged. I need to get them excited uh, about the math and get through the rest of the year. What tips would you give them? Okay. So for that, I usually stick to three different, like, areas. I'll either try to incorporate movement, choice, or competition. So when it comes to movement, that's simple. You could just cut up a worksheet and paste it around the room like a scavenger hunt to get them out of their seats. And then for choice, uh, that could be as simple as giving them 20 questions. And instead of, you know, the typical do the evens or do the odds, you can just tell them, choose 10 questions that you want to do out of the 20. And then competition. One of my classroom favorites is Ghosts in the Graveyard. And so with that, students work in groups to answer challenges together and then they get it checked. And so it's not really speed based, it's more luck based because once they get their challenges correct, they get to choose a ghost, I mean, a graveyard for their ghost. And they don't know how much each, well, each, well, they're actually tombstones in the graveyard, but each tombstone is worth a different point value. And so each time they get a challenge correct, they choose a place for their ghost to go. And at the end of the class, period, they find out who has the most points uh, based on the mystery point values that I reveal at the end of class. So they really get into that easy. That's so fun. Yeah. yeah. So you set that up the, um, is that kind of like on the board? You'll put like the kind of gravestones up and there's like points like behind it. Exactly. So, so yeah, I have like a Google slide template. And so, 
basically the values are hidden. They're up there. They just can't see them. They have to move like a special thing to reveal the point value. And oh, well, I have to reveal it. And so the ghost, I usually just move it for them. You could have the kids move it, but they just move it to, well, I move it to one tombstone. So yeah, it's really they simple. They move it every time they get a question right. Yeah. Well, it's a set of questions. So a challenge is three questions. So if they have all three questions correct, then they get to choose a place for their ghost to go. Yeah. How fun is that? Yeah. And that'll so be really easy to plug and play, you know, different, yeah. whatever kind of math you're doing at the time, you can kind of rotate that in. As you said, you have a template for that. So just kind of a standard type of activity. So that's a great example of a game. There are tons of other math games out there, right? But you kind of pick your favorite or maybe you try a few and see what the kids really like. And then exactly. you have that in your back pocket, you pull that out and kind of, again, generate some excitement. And that's really nice. Yeah. I mean, you just need a study guide. Just pull questions from your study guide if you have one. And use that for the review since we're entering test taking yeah. time. <laughs> you could perfect. do chat GPT too. Do old chat GPT, put some questions, make 10 questions with my kids' names in it with such and such topic and bam, there you go. There's your Yes, activity. yes. Just check the answers because it'll give you inaccurate answers. We need to steal your <laughs> exactly. math right on that. You know what? Megan and I talk a lot about this kind of uh, like how curriculum and instruction, we forget sometimes that they're two different things and they get like entangled. But you, what you're saying here is the way you save time is that you have some templates and like some of your word problems and some of the things that you need your kids to do on on that like curriculum side. And then you have these strategies for how you instruct that also are like plug and play templates, really like movement. And mm-hmm. what were the three? It was movement, competition, and choice. And choice. Mm-hmm. And so we just can take like a take up something from the curriculum and pop it into one of those areas, and then we're good to go. Yeah. I like and that. I, I love that even just as a quick, not only as you said, you know, your answer to the question was something somebody could do tomorrow, but even just as a quick check for every lesson you do, your goal as a math teacher, or really as any teacher, I think this really works for all, you know, could, could yeah. work for all disciplines in a lot of ways, but that little checklist of those three things. Does my lesson today include one of these three things? Yeah. If not, like, did, do I feel like I have another, you know, is there another engaging element that I would check off or could I maybe slot one of those in even just for a couple minutes in the class? I think that's exactly. a kind of nice little way to infuse that into your lessons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Easy. And if you can't do it every day, just do it once a week. Challenge yourself yeah. to choose one once a week. Cause I know being a teacher is a lot of work. Um, and especially when it comes to adding something new to it. So yeah, start slow. Mm-hmm. What do you do for movement? Just like, is it, do you have some go-tos for movement or is it just like, okay, everybody up, let's walk around the room. You said like, put some worksheets on the wall, put the worksheets on the wall, like mm-hmm. that simple. Yeah, it could be that simple or it could be, you know, uh, here's a question, go find someone and have, you know, like I think pair share, but get up and go around the room instead to find someone. You could set like a timer or play a song. And when that ends, you know, they should have found a partner. And then what else do I do? I mean, naturally we have brain breaks. I have 90 minute classes. So we do brain breaks and I do like chair yoga. So they do some, you know, movements at their chair. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, but the main thing would be scavenger hunts or task cards around the room and then walking around to each other. Or maybe we'll go outside with like quiz quiz trade. So they'll have like a flashcard. One side will have a quiz um, and the other person will be able to see the answer. And then they'll like quiz each other with their cards and then trade and then go find someone else. And that's something easy that you can take outside for a few minutes and have them do. Oh my gosh. 
I need some chair yoga now too. Right? Oh, it's wonderful. You, you were saying that. I'm like, oh, I want to Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing you mentioned in there, which I I found success with, is the music. Like mm-hmm. playing a song that you have to the end of the song or whatever. Students love music. They I mean, we, do. All, we all do. But like you play like one one song as a transition or as somehow in your lesson or as you know, you said even this like the light music of the restaurant, you know, scene when they're doing the splitting the check. I think it's just those little pieces to kind yeah. of mix things up a little bit is nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. Are you used to kid? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> you can even ask your kids at the beginning of the year or now you could ask them now one song that they love. So like their favorite song of the moment. And then you take some time to listen to them or look at the lyrics at least to make sure that they're clean. <laughs> and then you can add it to a playlist for that class period. And so they love hearing their song come on. They'll have their own playlist. I love that. Mm-hmm. It could also be if they get a question right or they work hard, they get to add a song to the to the list. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Reward. Mm-hmm. I used music for I like a quiet work environment. So it was more for me than anyone else, but I would put on kind of like classical or relaxing music and say like your voices have to be under the music. And then I would kind of like adjust the volume based on if it was like a working activity, I would have more of the fun music on and have it at kind of a medium level. But if it was supposed to be quiet, lower that music. And it's amazing. Kids do so much better with keep your voice under the music, then they do like, quiet down. I would just say, oops, oops, I can't hear my music. Like, yeah, I can hear you, but not the music. And it's just Uh a good like measure of the noise level. Mm -hmm. I agree. I use that too. (laughs) Yeah. I've never heard that. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. I think we don't realize like we go to a, if you ever go to a restaurant and listen to the music in the restaurant, like if you go to a, this is more of a marketing thing, but if you go to a fast food restaurant or a restaurant like Olive Garden where they want people to turn over because they make more money from people turning over, they play faster music. And if they want you to spend more money, they play slower music and they want you to linger. It's a marketing Ooh. thing, but it works with kids. <laughs> love it. A little marketing, yeah. a little psychology right. in here. I love it. <laughs> all kinds of tips on the extracurricular yeah, right. podcast. Come for the math tips to stay for the marketing and the psych. Yes. I was just going to actually, I was going to go off topic for a minute because Asia, you mentioned your side hustle. And so I know if people are listening to this podcast and and you want to hear more about her side hustle, she's going to talk even more about it on that teacher podcast, which is kind of our sister podcast. But just to, just to give the listeners that don't hear that podcast, just a little hint of your side hustle. Can you tell us about what that is and like when did you start when did you decide hey I want to share my ideas from my classroom with people online yeah so I basically uh, I have two things I create math resources for Virginia math teachers specifically but a lot of the things are useful for teachers everywhere and that's basically what led me to it I couldn't find resources that matched my state's curriculum so I started making my own and I figured other teachers could use that too. And so that's when I started sharing it online, which I would say was 2020, which is when I took it seriously. I'd opened my TPT store before that, but everything was free because I didn't think anyone would actually spend money on my store. So everything was free until 2020, found some confidence. And then what was the, oh, the other part is I help teachers learn how to make their own resources. Because if you're in my predicament and you're in a weird state, uh, you need special resources. I teach you how to make them. Math specifically or all types of resources? 
All types, all types. It did start as just math, but then a lot of teachers were reaching out and asking if it could work for them. And I was like, well, basically it's just a math module. Right. And so I kind of transformed the messaging for it and it works for everyone. I would assume math resources are pretty tricky to do. Like as a fifth grade teacher, I always found that much harder to make a math resource than anything else. Mm -hmm. Any quick tips for teachers who are like making resources for their own classrooms and thinking like, oh, where do I even start? Yeah. So with math, I agree. It is difficult, which is why I have that math module in there, uh, because you don't really know all of the tools that are available to you that are free um, within PowerPoint. That's where I make majority of my resources. So within PowerPoint, you can do lots of things with equations and build coordinate planes and create number lines. But you wouldn't really know unless someone has shown you. And so if you want to get started, I do have a free guide if the teachers want to download that. Perfect. It'll get them started with PowerPoint. And I just share all of my quick tips in there to show you that PowerPoint is more than just for presentations. You can build an entire library of resources like I have, but you've got to know how to start. And so that's what the guide does. It just teaches them how to start. It's so crazy. I think some people were still or may still be making worksheets in Google Docs. And once you transfer over to PowerPoint, you are going to say, oh, why did I ever try to do that? Even if you're an ELA teacher and you're Mm -hmm. mostly doing like reading and writing, it still looks better in PowerPoint, right? 100%. Yeah. I'll go back and try to use something from previous years when I too was using Microsoft Word and I'll want to change one thing and it ruins the whole page. And even like copying and pasting it into PowerPoint is challenging because it's so weird. (laughs) Like the formatting in Word is weird. But yeah, never going back. What is it about PowerPoint that makes it so much better for creating activities? Freedom. Like you can use the entire page however you want. You don't have to worry about the margins that you're confined to in Word. And it's much easier to add like images into the page and you can change the background to like add borders to your page to just make it pop. And my students, they really pay, students do pay attention to things and they notice the small details. And so with PowerPoint, you really just have a lot of freedom and flexibility versus Microsoft Word or Google Docs. I would assume you use a lot of templates there too, right? When you're starting with a resource, you probably don't start with just a blank PowerPoint screen. Exactly. So I do have templates um, and that's actually one of the things that is included um, in the course that I have that teaches teachers. But yes, I always start with the template because once you do something once and you have it, you know, set up, you know, your clip art is where you want it to be and like your name and dateline is where you want it to be. It's much easier to not have to go back and do that every single time. So don't start from scratch, build your template. And then like I said earlier, plug and chug, and it makes life so much easier. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, One very probably obvious thing that may not be as obvious, you change the sizing of the the slide in PowerPoint, right? That's like the first thing you do. First thing. Mm -hmm. Can you just walk us through like, what is the, do you just change it from landscape to portrait and that's it? No. So we actually go into page setup and we change it to paper size because most of the things we do, we want them to be printable. Um, And so with printables, you want it to either be eight and a half by 11, which is portrait or 11 by eight and a half, which would be the landscape. So that's the first thing I do. And then I go in and I'll add the background to it, which gives it a nice border. Or you could just put 
a shape on top of the page and spread it out so it's like a rectangle across the page as a simple border. Yeah, even just that and being able to personalize it to your standards and to your students and you don't have to sell it. I think oftentimes teachers are like, if I'm going to create my own stuff, uh, that means I have to have a whole side hustle. But no, you can create your own things for your own classroom. Exactly. Like I said, I now have a library of resources to pull from uh, because I spent time back then. It saves me time now. Um, yes, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Megan, do you want to hit her with the lightning round questions? Yes. I like being in charge of the lightning round. That's right. Because <laughs> we have some good lightning round questions. That's uh-huh. why it's fun. All right. So first one, what is your go-to activity or game when you kind of like need to fill some extra time? You've got like something in between. What's your go-to? Okay. So my go-to has nothing to do with academics, but it's rock, paper, scissors. Uh, the kids do best two out of three and it's like they fight until the end. So They'll start with the partner and then move throughout the class until, you know, one person wins. So easy. That's fine. It's good to have a non-academic thing sometimes yeah. just to have that break. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that's very quick. Everyone gets really into it. You get the energy up and then you move on to your next thing, right? Exactly. Yep. Love it. Awesome. All right. Next lightning round question. What is the funniest thing that's ever happened in your classroom? Yeah. So this was actually my first year of teaching. So I wasn't sure how to handle it at the time. And the kid probably didn't think it was funny. Uh, But to me, it was hilarious. Of course, I waited to laugh until after. But he like motioned me over and he was like, his eyes were teary eyed. I'm like, what's wrong? And he kept, he pointed to his nose because he had shoved a pin cap like up his nose while I was teaching. So I'm assuming he like had it <laughs> and I could not see it. <laughs> so he went to the nurse and of course nurses know, you know, the easiest way to solve everything. So she was just, you know, hold your other nostril and blow. And so that got it out. <laughs> Thankfully, no hospital trip needed. <laughs> Oh my I hope gosh. he laughs about it to this day. I, I mean, that's so. a good one. <laughs> that's funny. It's hard. When, you know, funny things happen in the classroom. And obviously you're not laughing at the student, but sometimes situationally you're like, oh, I got to hold that one in. Mm-hmm. I got to hold it in this later. But... later. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's so a good one. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, um, what's your favorite way to learn new strategies in the classroom? So I used to love reading books and going through blog posts, which I still do occasionally, but for the most part now it's Facebook groups because I can quickly use the search bar to find what I need or TikTok because you can also search on TikTok for things and I like getting my information really quickly. So those are my two favorites right now. Great. Good balance of your old standbys and your templates and then a little inspiration on the side to keep things fresh. Absolutely. Love it. (laughs) Do you have a TikTok and Instagram? Tell the listeners where they can find you and yes. kind of copy, not copy, but take inspiration from you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. I love social media. So Instagram, you can find me at the sassy teacher. No math in there. Um, and then TikTok is the sassy math teacher. And nice. I guess that's it. Yeah, you definitely. <laughs> yeah, you definitely need to check out Asia's stuff. It's amazing. She's amazing. And if you want to hear more about her side hustle journey, just kind of flip over to the That Teacher podcast where we'll be going kind of behind the scenes right after we're done with this episode. So thank you both, Megan and Asia, and we will talk soon. All right. Thank you. If you had a light bulb moment during this episode or thought of an idea to share, join us inside our podcast community to tell us your thoughts on both the extracurricular and That Teacher podcast. We have a space for you to comment and chat with one another about each episode. 
We'll also pop in with a fun question every Sunday night, like, what's your most embarrassing teaching moment? We believe that sharing our experiences as educators is what keeps us moving, learning, and experiencing more of a sense of connection. You can join us inside the community to access all the podcast episodes, bonus content, and discussion prompts at poppd.co slash podcast.